0: Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I've got Michael Scout with me. Michael is the pastor and church planter in Zeeland, Michigan, just outside. I guess maybe he can tell us more, maybe about 45 minutes outside the Grand Rapids area. And Michael is at Grace Fellowship in Zeeland. So Michael, we are very glad to have you here today. Talk about church planting and outreach. So you mentioned um, the youth being a, a vibrant opportunity for outreach. And it, it just brought something to mind. We had Dale Van Dyke and Adrian Crum on the podcast just recently. And with Adrian's new work up there, uh, as you know, very well, they talk a lot about starting with the youth for the culture of evangelism and it working up to the parents, which which struck me as just somewhat counterintuitive in the reformed world. So I'm wondering if yeah. you guys have something in the water up there in, in Michigan where you're thinking about youth sort of leading the way. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, you, you sort of mentioned it in passing. Do you have any thoughts on practically how you encourage or how the, the youth are able to be a part of that? And uh, do, does it take a lot of direction and intention or do they catch it a little bit quicker than some? Do you, have, do you have any thoughts on that particular idea of sort of encouraging the youth and it working back up into the household?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you completely. It does seem counterintuitive, doesn't it? Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of times youth feel a, a little bit lost in terms of um, where's my role? here. You know, I, I'm not in, some, in many cases, maybe they're not a Communicate member yet, or, or maybe they are, but they're still, you know, they're young and they're trying to figure out what role do they have. If you can sort of come alongside of them and just say, this is a really important role, because the best people to, to reach out to youth are youth. I, I can do it till I'm blue in the face, but I'm supposed to do it. But if, a, if, if my 14-year-old daughter does it, all of a sudden, it's just that much more effective. Um, one of the things looking back we did when we were just starting out with sort of um, a core group, we had these weekly meetings at our public library, and they were to develop our 10 core values And I had a lot of thoughts in terms of, you know, I'd take one, one at a time, but what I did was I sort of invited, and I still do this in all of my new members classes, we'll go through all the 10 core values and I'll say something like, um, okay, one of our core values is a place for weakness or a culture of evangelism and hospitality. And instead of just telling them everything, I'll say something like, after sort of defining it biblically, I'll say what? what do y'all think that looks like? And what I've found is that people have a lot of great ideas that I've never thought about. Mm -hmm. And then what tends to happen is that once they bring an idea, then they take ownership of it. So for example, in a, in a core value new members class, what would it look like to, to be a place for weakness so that people would feel okay to be honest? And then all of a sudden people start talking. Now sometimes people talk because maybe they've had a bad experience in the church of how that hasn't gone well. And and so I don't we have to be careful that we're not just you know comparing everything to other churches. What is God calling us to do here? And 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 they'll they'll come up with just some phenomenal ideas in terms of well I think I think to be weak would look like this in our youth group for example. Or one of our core values is, a, is prayer dependency. What would it look like for us to to be a church where, if you brought a visitor, one of the things that would strike them is that this church takes prayer seriously. What do you think that What do you think that means? And then they'll say things like, "Well, certainly um, in corporate worship." And I'll say, "Okay, but that's okay. That's good. What else? Well, maybe um, maybe after church, you're talking to somebody who's had a really rough week." And you just say right there in the pew or the seat, let's pray together. And all of a sudden people are seeing people praying together and it's just like, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? So the point is, I think getting people to participate. And, and so even if, you know, listeners listening to this and getting, saying, well, man, you know uh, we have our culture already and we've been a church for a long time. I think there's ways to sort of re engage in some of those discussions to say, Hey, we are committed to prayer. We're committed to evangelism. Why don't we brainstorm together about ideas, not programs, but just letting the church be the church. I love Mech Styles. He, he talks a lot about that. He said, don't, don't create all these programs for things. Just make sure Jesus is, is everywhere in terms of the teaching and the ministry, and then just bring people into those things. So an example he gives is a... Uh, a woman, a member of a chur- the church who meets a lady who just came, I think from China and had never been to the States. And she said, have you ever been to a, a wedding, a, an American wedding? And she said, no, I'm, br- I'm brand new. And she said, would you like to go? She said, absolutely. But one of the reasons she invited her to the wedding was because she knew that the church was invited to all the church weddings. And she knew that at the wedding, her pastor would preach the gospel So she was just sort of letting the church be the church instead of thinking, okay, how do I start a new ministry for this woman? And I think when people see that, no, we're just saying like, be the church, do the mission that the churches Jesus has given to us. Then I think it's not as intimidating as we have to, we have to come up with all these slick ways to, to do evangelism. It's just more like, no, come, come to a small group with me, come to youth group with me. And, and, Again, back to the youth issue. If if the kids are expecting friends to show up that don't know Christ, then, then they're you know they're they're expecting that. They're waiting for that. And and hopefully they can then minister with that expectation instead of being shocked like, Oh, this is an OPC church. We don't we don't have unbelievers come here.
0: So Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. So have you had uh, over that period of time have you had unbelievers come to the church have you had uh, you know a few profession of faith adult baptism types of things in in a, in a young church plan or are you still kind of waiting and patiently waiting for the lord to do that or how how's that all worked out what have you seen uh, some good stories yeah. or something that you've seen come out of that
1: yeah so patience um praying specifically sometimes at night we pray for conversions and sometimes by name this is something that uh, I was encouraged to to think about from from some others within the OPC, um, and and I, I thought it, you know, I have to be wise about it. But I, I thought there's a lot of wisdom in just being intentional. So we do have a number of of people who regularly attend who are are do not profess to know Christ. One is a a coworker of one of our members. Another is a husband of one of our members. Another was a uh, a young lady who worked at uh, Chick Fil A with one of our young lady members, uh, baptized members, and so yeah, just being patient, um, trusting the Lord, treating them with with respect, walking with them, including them, not not sort of making them feel like they're you know they've got a target like they're a project, but just loving them as image bearers. A lot of times it's, it's one step forward, it's a step back, it, you know, discipleship in general, but particularly with, for people who just, they don't have a lot of encouragement <laughs> to go to church. And so, and so they'll come for a few weeks, it'll be really exciting, and then, and then uh, we won't see them for a month. But then you, you hear their story and you kind of go, oh, that makes sense. You know, th- there's, a, there's a lot going against them. So I, I think, again, if all hands are on deck, and it's not just one or two people, but it's the church loving them well, when they're here, welcoming them, talking to them, it doesn't, you know, not every every conversation has to be an evangelistic conversation, but just catching up. So, so for one example, uh, this gentleman who comes quite often, his sister just died, uh, sort of a tragic situation and, um, so we just took time. He wasn't there, but we took time to pray for him and, and just encourage people, you know, to reach out and to love him well as, as he's wrestling with grief and, and with all of these sorts of things. And sure enough, after he came back from being away with family, he's, he's been at church the last few times. And just Sunday morning, um, I was chatting with him a little bit with a group of other people and, someone who's a member who's really good at reaching out to people went up to him and said, hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so we've met, but I don't know if you remember me. And then in the course of that conversation, this member said, uh, he just thanked me for the message. And then this other man who's an unbeliever said, yeah, the last two weeks have been, have been really helpful. And we're pre, I'm preaching on John. So we're in the passion. <laughs> so, it mean, that's awesome right this this guy who doesn't profess Christ said yeah the last the last two weeks man have been really really made me think so the Lord's at work um, sometimes it's slow uh, obviously so we don't want to you know you know we don't want to measure success always by but yet we want to be intentional and we want to pray expectantly and we want that to be a normal part of our culture adult baptisms when people say all the time you believe in adult baptism? I say absolutely. Praise the Lord! That, you know that that means people are being converted. Um, so, so there are great stories, um, but we're we're leaning in and we want to see more.
0: So you've mentioned um, a culture, uh, one of your core values being a place for weakness. And I saw on your website that uh, by the time that listeners hear this, you all have already had the event. But I, but I saw that front and center. You have this loneliness and friendship seminar coming. I assume that this is one of the somewhat intentional outworkings of a place of weakness. How did that come about? What are your expectations for it? Why that topic? Yeah. You know, how is that? Because there's there's an event that you could kind of, uh, we've dealt with the sort of hand-to-hand, family-to-family, neighbor-to-neighbor. Here's an event that you have going. How did that come yeah. about? And what are, you, what are you looking at for that?
1: Yeah. So uh, early on, this would have been not that long after we started public worship, so this would have been 2019. We had a our, our first ever conference, which was hosted at our public library, was on depression, and um, Dr. David Murray, who's written yeah. on on this, Christians get depressed too. He, uh, <clears throat> he 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 was our speaker. It was a Friday evening seminar, free. And it, it was just really cool. It was it was well attended, not only by our own church people, but by by people in the community. Uh, the local library, um, you know, they have these monitors where they communicate events, and so we're literally on there constantly as as we're getting ready for this conference. And we wanted to say up front, and we communicated this that night, that the gospel is for people who are weak and and needy and recognize that were, were broken and, and desperately need Jesus. And that, that includes me as pastor. That includes those of us at our church at Grace Fellowship, but those, those are the kind of people we're, we're trying to reach. I was, I was asked a question one time early on by someone in the community who found out about the church plant. And she said, well, who are you trying to reach? And I think the assumption was what demographic, you know, are you trying to reach millennials? Are you trying to, you know, what, um, and I just said, we're trying to reach sinners. And you know. then I had to think about it later, like, did that come off the wrong way? But, but what I meant was uh, young sinners, old sinners, sufferers, people from all walks of life, right? And so the Loneliness and Friendship Seminar is, is in the same vein where, you know, with COVID, the epidemic of, of loneliness, it's a real thing that Christians and unbelievers face and deal with. And so what does the scripture say? What does, how does the gospel address it? And, and what particularly uh, can the church, the local church do in terms of being one of the remedies for that? Um, so, <clears throat> so it's intentional in that, yes, it's one of our core values or it's a couple of core values, but, but these core values, they all sort of weave together, right? So you're, you're saying, yes, a place for weakness, but you're also saying the church the, it is the body of Christ. And and this is one of the places where God blesses us with fellowship and friendship. And what does that, what does that look like? So, yeah, I'm excited um, uh, to be able to do something like that again. So our thought is every couple of years to do an outreach conference that really gears itself towards the community, the unbeliever topics that are, are not, threatening or not confusing, but where everybody sort of lives. And um, because I think there's great benefit for the church and the unchurched for those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. That's good. If I can shift gears maybe a little bit, church planter, the Lord's blessing the work. We're bringing people in from various backgrounds. There's unchurched people there. There's regularly visitors there. How does this affect your preaching? given that you are intentionally really reformed and intentionally really accessible? I mean, everybody, when I ask guys this, they always say, well, I have to define my terms. And I always say, well, we know that. Like, like, let's let's get past defining our terms. How does it affect you as the preacher? Preparation and delivery, given such a clear intentionality of both really reformed and accessible and having an actual group of people that are, in fact, needing really reformed and needing really accessible?
1: Yeah, that's, again, excellent question. Um, I just, I absolutely expect unbelievers to be there. So whether that's church people, you know, unconverted kiddos uh, or, or, or unconverted adults, frankly, uh, who are in the church or visitors. So in terms of preparation, application Coming from the text, so that the power, the drama is in the text, but really bringing that home with a sense of urgency, not being afraid to to call people to faith, a personal faith in a personal Christ, not making assumptions. You know, maybe it's because I'm a dad of four kids that are, you know, six to fourteen. I'm also constantly thinking about children, so if if the kids can't get it if if they're disengaged because it's going over their heads yeah i'm not sure what we're doing you know so we need to be thinking about different ages different backgrounds you know the beautiful thing about teaching the bible is you just you just teach the bible and you let it rip and you know spurgeon said you let the lion out of the cage and it you know you don't have to defend it it just it does its thing but i do think there's a way to We don't want to just pass information along as if this is some lecture from my brain to yours. I mean, this, this is a message from the living God which comes with a sense of significant urgency. It matters. (laughs) And so it's just trying to wrestle first of all, with my own heart, which a lot of times is the hardest part of the whole thing. Does this matter to me? And if it matters to me, uh, just just preaching in such a way that it it just it it 's not enough just to sort of be faithful, we want to be faithful, of course, we want to be faithful, but if that 's our goal, then we need to be intentionally thinking about is this is this the kind of preaching that the spirit uses to bring about transformation and again, I, i'll bring us back to my mentor Delvin Dyke, in terms of his kind of preaching. The beautiful thing about it is that the unbeliever gets that he's talking, God is talking to them personally. And yet the guy with the PhD in in the congregation, who's the elder is growing and learning and being engaged. And it's not, it's not because there's some like trick to that. I just think there's like a gravity to it. If, If this is, if thus saith the Lord, this matters. And then laboring to try to bring that home in, in, in the context in which we in, in which we live, so yeah I think that's the goal at least and I certainly don't always hit hit the mark but um, that's that's the goal to engage people who have literally never heard the Bible before and at the same time challenge encourage equip comfort those who have been in the church their entire lives and have professed faith from a young age so. And, and the whole—it's the Holy Spirit, but the gospel has that kind of depth and breadth to it. And so, I, th- I think there's a also a sense, a culture of expectation that when we come to church, we're not just coming to sort of get our, you know, make sure it's theologically faithful, but we're here to hear a message from the living God, and and Jesus by the Spirit is going to show up and he's going to he's going to speak to us, and it's it's going to be really important to listen.
0: No, I appreciate that answer, and I'm sure uh, others will too. Uh, it's helpful to think about. Um, maybe one more little shift. Uh, I was thinking about your idea of multiplying, being a church, one of your values that you mentioned on the video, being a multiplying church. That is um, maybe interesting for a church plant to be thinking about multiplying. <laughs> and I wondered if that was intentional from the start, and then people came and you have a big group that you can think about planting, or if you were kind of getting your ducks in a row and people started coming and then it became a value? Because you could see it either way. You could see it being a core tenant from the beginning. You could see it being once you see what the Lord's yeah. doing, but it says a lot about your church, depending on which way, you know, whether it was a yeah. foundational tenant or whether it became a tenant. I just wondered how you think about that, how you think about you know, most church plants are thinking about resources internally. We're on home mission support. When does that end? How are we going to be self-sustaining? To be thinking multiplying, I'm thinking about the fact that you're, you're sending out financial resources when you're talking about planning, but you're also sending out people, which most church planters would want to hug tightly to people that are coming in. So I'm just wondering how that works out and how you think about it strategically, given that you're still a young church.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I often describe our, we're so unique, and, and and I and I think I get a sense of that having been in the ministry for fifteen years or so. That that this is a unique situation. Um, I often describe ourselves currently. We've been on our own now for ten months as sort of the the six foot seven eighth grade boy. <laughs> it was just like, whoa! You must be a good basketball player, and then. And then you watch him walk and you're like, oh my word, he he doesn't know how to walk (laughs) because he's not coordinated. Uh, That'll come, right? So in many ways, we're we're a big junior high boy, apparently. Um, So it was was very intentional um, to use multiplying, even if it was a little bit uncomfortable. And I didn't want to be, and I don't want to be presumptuous or in any way arrogant in the sense of, you know, we're going to, we're just going to. Multiply because you know that's just what we'll do. But again, the, the DNA that we inherited was a multiplying DNA. I remember vividly being at the first literally the first informational meeting, maybe 75, 80 people are gathered together. Some of those are from harvest to just support. And and Pastor Dale Van gets up and he says, The first this is the first night. <clears throat> he says, I want to uh, see about 50 churches planted. In, in my lifetime. And, and I'm going, Dale, hold the phone, like, relax, buddy. Like we're just trying to get this one under the ground, off the ground. Um, <clears throat> but that, that partly that's just who Dale is. But I think by being intentional up front, as people were gathering together and wanted to know what is this church going to be like, what are, what's, what's unique about Grace Fellowship? Why would we want to join? Why would we want to leave our, our current situation or why would we want to want to give our you know, next however many years to this thing? We knew how important it was for that DNA to to start right away, even though we didn't know. I mean, we didn't know what that was going to look like. Would it be 10 years and we planted church? I mean, we didn't know and we still don't know. Um, but we've been able to both be on the incredible receiving end of, of our denomination and and home missions, but also then by God's grace, we've been able to partner with some others within our presbytery as well, and constantly be thinking about communicating church planting, church planting, church planting. Now we don't, you know, we got to get our legs underneath us. Um, right now we're We're thinking more in terms of a collaborative effort within our presbytery with churches like Harvest and others where we can participate in that, have a part to play in that, learn from that, Uh, and and not yet probably as a mother-daughter. But we want to trust the Lord, and he'll stretch us and equip us where he he wants to. So, yeah, to answer your question, it was intentional, even though I don't know that we knew exactly what that (laughs) would look like, and we're still trying to figure that out. Uh, but just up front to say, oh, this is who we, we want to be. We want it to become normal. When you think of OPC, we don't only want you to think about Machen. We want you to think about multiplication. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, at least here in West Michigan, we wanted that to become a normal part of, oh, you're an OPC church. That means you plant churches. And I think Harvest has done a great job. I think our Presbytery is doing a, a fantastic job. So we want to just be part of that and just to continue that, that momentum.
0: Well, Michael, this has been great. I appreciate you taking your time. I think listeners will appreciate uh, taking your time and hearing about the, the work there and, and what the Lord is doing. Um, so we're grateful
1: that you were willing to take the time. So thanks for being with us. Well, thanks so much for having me, Brad. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk to you and uh, the Lord's bless uh, your, your ministry as well.
0: That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at Outward opc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.